Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Welcome to this summer retrospective series. One of my favorite things about this podcast is that it is truly a community of guests and listeners, and you often connect with each other apart from me. When my guests share so deeply and vulnerably with us, the listeners, I feel like it's important to try to stay in touch and continue the conversation as much as possible. So in this spirit, I reached out to a few guests for follow-up interviews, and I'll be airing them for five weeks this summer. These interviews are each 30 minutes or less and totally unedited, so you're getting the raw thoughts of both myself and my guests. This is the second of five episodes in this series, and I am so excited to introduce you again to Helen O. Oh. Several listeners asked me to bring Helen back as they had such a strong emotional response to her original episode, episode 57, Food in the Real Life Coming of Age Story of Helen O. Oh. What other listeners have not known until now is that I've actually hired Helen as a consultant for my Pinterest strategy. In this episode, we discuss her career, which we didn't discuss at all during her original episode, the importance of Pinterest if you are an entrepreneur or a content creator, and how to start using Pinterest if you've never considered it. We also talk about the big life change that she's making this summer, which led us into a super interesting, to me at least, in-depth conversation about Helen's minimalist lifestyle, when and why she adopted this lifestyle, and how she sustains it. And finally, we answer the big question that previous listeners are wondering about, which is how Helen and her family, especially Helen and her mom, are doing together, and if they've remained in touch. Welcome to all of you listeners. Thank you for being here, even during your busy summers. And welcome, Helen. Hello, Helen. Good morning, Becky. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I hear you great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Have you got some coffee or some tea or some kind of wake up drink? <laughs> yeah, I had my matcha. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> How about you? Yes, I have a little a cup of coffee. Um, we, I, I've, I, I was late to coffee. I didn't start drinking coffee until I was in my thirties, and oh. um, like most people, there was a gateway with a lot of cream and sugar and stuff. But I've slowly. Uh -huh over the years become my mother. <laughs> and now I only drink black coffee. And um, I only drink it in like these little tiny, I got the cutest little espresso sized mugs, uh -huh. because I really like my coffee to be hot. So if I put it in a normal size mug, it's like by the time I sip it down, it's cool again. And then I'm just annoyed. So <laughs> I just oh, drink. Yeah, I totally get it. I, I do the same. Do I, you? Like, I like black coffee or um, or like lattes or cappuccinos every once in a while, but mm -hmm. I don't like adding like additional sugar, sometimes a little bit of milk, but I don't know. I think I like the taste of it. Um, I think I do too. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. I was kind of forced into a position for a month where I, um, I just, I didn't have access to dairy. So I just drink it black. And it was like, when I came back now, when I put the dairy in it, I, it doesn't taste right to me. Yeah, it's not the flavor isn't as bold. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like 
I just like to taste it. Exactly. And I'm sensitive to caffeine. So drinking it in these tiny amounts works really well for me anyways. And then I can get more refills. Oh, (laughs) I never thought about that, but that's true. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been great. So, um, so like I mentioned to you, you were specifically requested by my readers, my email list, where I sent it out, I think about, um, I sent a newsletter out about two weeks ago, and yeah. mentioned I was going to be doing a retrospective series and asked who they'd like to hear from. And a couple people said they wanted to hear from you. Oh, I'm so surprised. <laughs> I'm so surprised. That, like, I know people love your podcast, but whenever they listen to like, that episode with me in it and, and reach out to me, I'm always like, taken aback. I'm like, Oh, people do listen to it all the way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you just really, your story about your family really connected with people. And I think that for people who do um, follow your work outside of my podcast, maybe who started following you afterwards or who already followed you, because you are constantly sharing stories and memories about your family, I think that they stay connected to you. Uh You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, you're also everyone else that people mentioned their episode was like a year or more ago, but we just talked in February. So we're only talking like four months later. And uh, nevertheless, though, you are making a big life change right now. Um, yeah, I didn't really announce or anything. <laughs> um, but I'm moving to so I'm moving to Denver, Colorado to Denver from where? Yeah. Oh, uh, from New York City. Right. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a big change. Tell me about how that came about. I guess I've been moving around these past two years, so it wasn't mm-hmm. exactly a big change for me. Um, that's why I didn't really mention it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with media or anything. Um, but it was around May. Um, my lease is actually ending soon, and I was thinking about whether or not I want to continue <clears throat> to stay in New York City. Um, I love New York. Um, I love how busy it is and how there's always so much that we can do. Um, But I think my soul is calling for something that's a little bit calmer, but Mm. also in the city and a little bit closer to nature. And so I just basically looked around and um, I thought about Denver. So two years ago, I moved to Austin and -hmm. I stayed there for a year. And initially um, I was going to go to Denver but then I heard that it snows a lot and it's so cold and I was and I was originally from Boston and I wanted to get out of the cold mm-hmm. so thank you I'm just gonna go to Boston um and it was a good city but I feel like it was a little bit too slow for me so um when I was there a lot of people mentioned that um they think I would have liked Denver a little bit more just because it's more city-like and there's um a bit more things to do and more um walkable a walkable city because Austin mm. was in and um and so I took that into account and I just basically for a week I just did some research and I um I looked into some apartments and I applied to some and the process was just so smooth and so before I know it I like found an apartment and I was like I guess I'm moving there wow um, yeah so you went from Boston to Austin to New York City and now to Denver all in less than two years right be, yeah. Yeah. I stayed in city for a year. You stayed um, in New York City for a year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I mean, do you travel very light? That's a lot to move across the country. Do you just 
pack your things up in a couple boxes or do you have furniture? How does that work? Yeah, so I actually live really minimalistically. Um, I don't have a lot. So it, when when I was in Boston, I had a lot because that was where my um, family is from, where all yeah. my stuff is. But um, I think over the years, I just simplify a lot and really ask myself before I buy anything whether I use it long term. Um, so most of my stuff I can pack. I have two and a half suitcases. Um, I could fit everything in and it's right now it's just like my props because I do photography work and um, just a few minor things and um, wow so you you can pack all of your belongings in two and a half suitcases and half of those are work related yeah and furniture I I didn't really spend a lot because my New York City apartment's really small I Mm. didn't have any really big things and even when I moved there, I just like thrifted a lot of stuff because I live in a college kind of like neighborhood. And mm. so when people were leaving, they were throwing stuff away. And so a lot of stuff were still brand new. And it was around that time. And so I was able to get a few things that were free. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's my approach because I wasn't really sure if I wanted to stay in New York City long term. Mm. Um, and I kind of like being able to move around and not be like attached to something. Um, too much. And so I guess it's easy for me. (laughs) It is. Yeah. It's almost just like packing to go on vacation to actually move for a whole different city. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you find that um, this is like a really interesting angle? I don't think I knew that you were such a minimalist and it's, it's remarkable to me. Do you find, um, do you find that you become less attached to stuff the more you move along the journey? So I'm wondering like if in Austin, you were constantly missing your stuff from Boston and then you kind of like detached more and more as you went to New York and now to Denver, or is it just like, as soon as you left Boston, you just felt like, well, I don't, I don't need any of this stuff. Yeah, I guess it's um, what you said in the latter form. Um, When I was little, I, I had a lot of stuff. I was constantly buying things. You, <laughs> I was constantly <laughs> shopping. I don't know why my mom let me. And I never really grew attached to those things. There, there were a few items that I put in like a big box that I would always keep um, forever, mm. just for memories. Mm. Um, but when I left, I realized those things didn't really mean that much. And I would probably use it like a handful of times before I move on to something else. And so... Um, I just like, and also being vegan after I left Boston really helped me um, value like the things that I have and like mm. approach life in a better, more loving way rather than wasting um, mm. stuff all the time. So I just, whenever I buy anything now, I ask myself if I can use it long term um, and if it would like help me in any way. Um, wow. And that's I, associated yeah. with your veganism. Yeah. Like explain that connection for me a little bit more. Um, I guess it's what vegan and I was doing yoga at that time. And it's just like looking at life in a more simplistic and loving way in that mm. we don't really need a lot of stuff all the time. And the stuff that we have, sometimes it's influenced by outside factor and that you really don't need it. And it's mm. just a little bit wasteful if you go that way. And also um, being vegan helped me like realize how <clears throat> many of the items that I used to purchase um they weren't sourced uh, really ethnically. And um, those were things that I never realized because I wasn't taught or I didn't learn it from school. And 
um, I guess it's through the process that entire year. And I'm still learning mm. um, that I realize um, how much waste there is in the world and um, how much, how many of the stuff that I used to have were like animal de- derived from some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And that really bothered me. And so um, everything <clears throat> that I have right now, they're all vegan mm. um, and mostly ethnically sourced. I try mm. my best. Um, Even when you thrift, are you able to take that into account when you, when you thrift for your furniture or, you know, your sheets or things like that? I guess it's mostly furniture. Um, mm. Other stuff um, I would buy new like beddings and like mm-hmm. just like um, more like personal items and stuff. But like, you'd be surprised where like thrifting a lot of people throw like brand new stuff away and oh yes yeah I've been thrifting they do it's true it's true yeah yeah I am so do you find that money is less of a stressor for you than other people of your generation I I mean I think money is a universal stressor but I guess I'm asking you to compare (laughs) like you can really only compare to other people who have been in your phase of life and sort like you wouldn't expect yourself financially to be in the same place as someone who's worked a lifelong career or something like that that's why I'm asking you for other people your age do you find Mm -hmm. that money is less of a stressor for you because of your minimalist approach I mean it's a frugal way to live (laughs) (laughs) um like you said, I think money will also be always be some sort of stressor for everyone. But mm. I think because growing up, my dad uh, was the primary financial support in our family. We always kind of like live really mi- well. I don't I don't want to say minimalistly, but um, we didn't purchase really expensive stuff all the mm-hmm. time. And I think that carried on with me. So even now, it's not like I say that something's like really expensive and I don't want it. I just if there's other ways or like. I do mostly like if I can shop locally, I'll do it. Um, but I think that way of living and like looking at things that and not comparing myself to other people really helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need that certain brand of item. Like if like unless I like really really want it, it would be nice to have. But like it's not a need. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can. Have, sorry, mm-hmm. did I cut you off? No, go, go, no. I was going to say, and it sounds like more like you are free to make a decision based on whether or not you really want a particular brand or believe there's value in it versus being, um, you know, hampered by other people's opinions or keeping up with other people. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I did that a lot when I was younger. And I think a lot of people do when you're growing up at that mm-hmm. age. Absolutely. One have. But when I look back, I didn't keep any of those items. And I don't know why I spent all those money um, mm. purchasing those items. And I think I'm just, I accepted that's like who I am more these past two years um, that I've been living like away from my family and just living on my own and realizing that a lot of stuff that I have in the past, I don't really need. Yeah. And um, I think I just continue that way. And so, um, and just, this is still something I'm working on, but like money always come and go and you can always find some, some way to earn money. And so, um, I don't, I don't put as much stress as it on it, um, as before. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Helen, I really like knowing this about you. And I think, (laughs) Uh I, I, I mean, I do think that our, um, 
society, and I am a very much a member immersed in our society, is just um, like obsessed with consumerism. And mm -hmm. it's really amazing to hear from someone who has really successfully put that aside to the extent that you can move whenever you want to move just by packing up two and a half suitcases. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think also when I had a lot of stuff, I think that stressed me out more than when I don't have as many stuff. Mm. Um, so when, like right now, I don't have, I used to have like a gigantic closet and mm. now I only have like basic stuff that I can put on and I don't have to make like so many decisions early mm. in the morning. Um, it's all really like, um, like all my like clothes are like solid printing and mm -hmm. just something that I could wear year long if I have to. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that helped me a lot too, um, in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. So as we talk about this, I'm going to switch around the questions a little mm -hmm. bit because I'm positive that people who are listening um, and wondering about how you can manage this lifestyle where you just move and try new places when you're ready to um, are also wondering how you can manage that with work. And um, so now something I'm going to tell the listeners is that actually after your last interview, I learned something about your work that I didn't know before. And I have hired you, Helen, <laughs> to help me <laughs> with an aspect of my work. So um, why don't you tell listeners what your work is and why you can move so easily, like how your work allows you to do that? Yeah, so I basically work remotely um, since like a half a year into when I was in Austin and I mainly do like social media management for um, bloggers and, and I also have like photography stuff. So I kind of do, it's kind of like a 50, 50 split um, mm -hmm. right now. And um, at that time I didn't know anything about social media. And so I just like dive headfirst into like everything. I learned as much as I could. And when the opportunity arrived, I was able to work with some bloggers and um, they needed help with um specifically with pinterest and mm -hmm. so um over the last year i just continue to learn more and more with like pinterest management and stuff and so um a lot of the work that i do for them right now is regarding pinterest and mm -hmm. um that's how we got connected <laughs> yes that's how you're helping me so i should explain to listeners that after our last kind of round of calls um you you actually offered to do a consult with me for free, which was super generous. And I definitely took you up on that. And then as I continued to struggle to keep up with Pinterest and just to know, um, I mean, you can put time into anything, but it's very difficult for me personally to put time into something if I don't know that I'm maximizing that time. So I didn't feel like I understood the platform well enough to be confident that I was maximizing my time when I, when I created for it, you know? And so what that meant is that I was getting into a cycle where I wasn't keeping up or I was spending too much time keeping up because I was constantly reinventing the wheel. So that's why I reached out to you again to just consult with me and help me develop, you know, a more efficient and effective plan, which I'm super grateful that you're helping me with. And I actually, my niece is coming over today because she's going to take um, some of the long-term planning, some of the keyword research and stuff. She's actually going to do that for me this summer. Yay! Oh, that's <laughs> I love that you 
family can be involved with um, your work too. I'm so grateful to them. Yeah. So I am, um, you know, we developed a plan together. I'm working through that, my deadlines and stuff, and she's coming over to help me with that. So for people who are listening, tell us a little bit more. How important do you think Pinterest is for food bloggers? And outside of food bloggers, who do you think Pinterest can help? Um. I think to back up a little bit about what you said about um, not maximizing time, I think it's the same for all platforms and understanding mm. how to use it as efficiently as possible. And especially this past year, I think there's new apps and new social platforms and um, algorithms are cha- constantly changing for yeah. each of them. And yeah. it's hard to keep up with them all the time. And so um, say that you focus on Instagram alone and don't spend as much time on Pinterest, you won't know all the ins and outs of Pinterest as you do on Instagram. And I think just, it's not that you can, it's just like you said, the amount of time you put into it. And um, I was just put into that position where um, I kind of had to uh, learn more about it because it was part of my work. And um, I'm glad that it helped me and help others um, along the way. Um, But Pinterest itself, I think it's good for all professions just because um, someone to Google, it's a search engine for a lot of people and for ideas um, and go on it for a specific reason. Um, It's like really visual as well. And so people who are searching for something specific, um, especially like recipe related, they're able to like put in whatever recipe they want and a whole bunch would appear. Kind of the same with Google, but like these ones are like more visuals. Mm-hmm. And so I would say if you're uh, focused on food blogging or food photography, it's really beneficial if that's um, something that you want to continue to grow along. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say for myself, I shifted to a focus on Pinterest um, after I was hacked last year and had to start fresh on Instagram. And that really, you know, soured me on that platform. And the algorithm had already been changing so much anyways. And then I really started to focus on it more about um, around Christmas time. And even now in the last few months, it's dawning on me how much I'm underutilizing my own website. And um, like these it's like the heavens are opening up as I'm realizing the opportunities that I have with this website that I have control over. And um, Pinterest has been amazing for me, even with me using it ineffectively, especially in terms of growing my email list. So I'm to a place right now where I'm getting about a subscriber a day, which isn't amazing, but it's it's better. I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a major thing. Yeah, Becky, one subscriber a day an entire year, you get over 300. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I've grown by over that, over that in the last year. And so hopefully, as momentum grows with me getting more people to my website and, you know, assuming the conversion rate stays similar. So for me, Pinterest has been huge, not in terms of, oh, I want someone to see this recipe or that one, but as a way of driving people onto my newsletter list, which now, mm-hmm. um, now I have them and I can tell them anything I want every single mm-hmm. week, you know? So to me, that's where Pinterest has been the big game changer and where I feel like it's really a place I want to focus and use better because mm-hmm. I, I know <laughs> like you and I talked, you, you were pretty much nicely like you're doing everything wrong, Becky. <laughs> You did not say that. You did not say that at all. But I walked away totally overwhelmed and like a little bit wanting to cry. (laughs) And then I realized, well, this is great because if I'm having, um, if I'm having success using it wrong, right, Mm -hmm. 
then how much more if I use it prop, you know, with better practices, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to say it's wrong. I guess um, we could all everything we do, we can improve it in a mm. in a better way. Some sort of, like like always. Um, but when we don't know about a platform, we don't know how to use it effectively. So it's right. good to always speak with someone. And um, like you said, it's a good way to grow your blog, and that and your blog is something that will stay with you forever. Versus yeah. Instagram. Um, it's more of a social, like for social connections and yeah. not a lot of people click out of Instagram because they right. just want to be on it, um, for a while. And your blog is something that you can, um, grow your email list and right. um, in the long run, if you do want to, um, include ads to your blog for another revenue source, um, it will be amazing. Right. Or creating your own products or affiliate links, or so many people come to my website for the recipes, they don't even know that I have a podcast. So then if I use the website effectively, then they come to the podcast. You know, if they come to the podcast, they might see a recipe like you can create your own ecosystem on your own website. And the one other positive I will say about Pinterest, as I like force myself to look at the positives because it's a hard, it's a hard platform for me, I think, because of the lack of social connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I constantly have to remind myself of the positives. And I think the other big positive is that Pinterest and Google really work hand in hand. And yeah. Google is king. And the more mm-hmm. that you, the more that I learn to be effective with keywords and those types of strategies, the more that um I think you you do grow the two hand in hand. And my primary objective actually is to um, improve my SEO for to be more searchable on Google, to rank higher there. And um, as you develop the skills that you need to be successful on the both platforms are similar. You know what I mean? So yeah. to me, that's another reason why it's effective. And when you Google search, sometimes Pinterest images come up, right? So mm-hmm. to me, it's another reason why it's worthwhile to put time into Pinterest because um, it serves my greater goal, which is getting better and better at SEO. Yeah. And also, um, I know a lot of people are affected by like the comparison game. I think mm-hmm. all of us do um, yeah. when we're on Instagram, but at the end of the day, if you're not like, like an influencer influencer doing like brand work primarily um, on your platform, on your Instagram platform, then um, it's good to have another, like your own website to focus on growing instead um, if you have products or other things. Um, 100%, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I like to think of it as like not having too much of an attachment um, to any like particular social platform because it's always changing and mm-hmm. who knows like four years from now whether Instagram will continue to be here or how much it would change and even with Pinterest. So it's good mm-hmm. to hold on your skills with like SEO because Google will always be here. Mm-hmm. Um when you have all the resources like the blog posts um, mm-hmm. or, uh, or other pages on your blog, you can easily transfer it when right. a new platform emerges. Right, exactly. And again, the more people come to my website, the more I'm converting to my newsletter. And then every Friday, I can tell them whatever I want. If I want to shift directions, if I have a new episode, if I have a new offering, like if I want to start bringing on photography mentoring, like I can tell them that. Every Friday, I have the opportunity to speak directly to them, which I might not 
like you said, I could lose that opportunity on any other platform at any given time. And that has happened to me. I lost that opportunity last summer, right? So it's something I'm, <laughs> you know, I feel kind of, kind of strongly about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So if someone does want to get started on Pinterest and they just don't know where to begin because it really is overwhelming, um, it's not as simple as like you go on Instagram and you pop something up there, you know, or you chat into your mm-hmm. stories. What would you recommend for people um, who want to get started and also for people who want to be consistent but don't have massive amounts of time to put into it? Um, yeah, I would say the first thing is really asking yourself why you want to use Pinterest itself mm. because if you don't have a reason you wouldn't want to do it consistently mm-hmm. and so say that you're a food blogger then one of your reasons might be you want to con- you want to grow your blog even more and so um that would be like a good motivator um but otherwise if you don't have an objective it's hard to keep up with it consistently um and also understanding like who your audience might be on that platform mm-hmm. So I think that would be number one. And number two, if you're a beginning, uh, a beginner, Pinterest itself has a lot of resources. So I would say go to Pinterest first um, because they have like an overview of um, what the platform is and how you get started. And afterwards, um, I would say um, do as many like research as you can on Google or I listen to a lot of podcasts um, Mm -hmm. on open media. And then like Tailwind is another, it's a scheduling platform. Um, for pins and so they offer a lot of resources too and um, if you do have like the financial means you can always like um, have like a mentor or, like a consult with someone to see um, what's the most effective way for you to get started yeah um, yeah mm-hmm. right and yeah. I think that I um, I think that that's the point that I got to is I felt like well I could pay money for some kind of class or something like that but I never knew what I was going to get but if I spent a few hours just talking talking to you um that would be the most effective way for me to um figure out you know what I needed to change and what I needed to just commit to to get into a weekly a weekly schedule a weekly cycle of just this is what I do every week you know mm-hmm. um so yeah. So thank you for your help so far. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I think um, one of the good things, uh, I think one thing I recommend for everyone is whatever platform you're on, just make sure you kind of like know the ins out of it before mm-hmm. you hand it off to someone because you never know at what right. point maybe something like I hope it doesn't like something happens and you can't hire that person anymore. Um, then you at least know how to do it yourself. Absolutely. Right. On someone and um, like the platform will always change, but like just have a good idea of what it is for so that if anything does happen, you know, the reason. Right. Right. And I think that another thing that's probably important to mention at this point is that if you are going to keep up and be effective on a platform and you you do need to know it platforms are always always changing and so kind of like a corollary to that fact is um you can't actually be effective on every platform and there's yeah. platforms right now that I really want to explore and I feel left out of but I just especially right now at this phase in my life you know all four of my kids are home this summer I'm going to be homeschooling one of them again next year like I the reality is I cannot do every platform so I have to fit 
choose the ones that are, I think, most effective for my goals. That's why I love what you said about know why you're doing it. Are you doing it because you're like, oh, Pinterest, everybody says that works. I should try. What do you really want out of it? You know, mm-hmm. and um, you have to choose the ones that work best for your personality, for your goals, and that just align with your um kind of what what you're good at and what you have the time to do. You we just can't do them all. We just can't. Mm-hmm. And another thing is before you dive into any other stuff, just like know that you know how to use it. Like you're good on one platform and you're at the phase of your life where you can move on and try something new mm-hmm. um, rather than adding something extra to your schedule and then become stressed and not wanting to do any yeah. other part of your work anymore. Yeah. That's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I said, I'd be firm on the 30 minutes. And so I want to, I want to close, but is it okay? Can I ask, I know a lot of the reason that people resonated with your first episode is because mm-hmm. you were so open about um, this like kind of struggle with your family as things yeah. shifted and changed as you grew into your adult years. And then it was so beautiful that you were back in contact with them by the time the episode aired. So tell me what's mm-hmm. going on with your family. Are you talking about food with your mom these days? <laughs> talk, talk to me about that. Um, yeah, so I'm still in contact with uh, my parents, and I call them a couple times a month. I don't call them daily. I'm not like, <laughs> I, like I, I don't need like the like every day. Mm-hmm. I think I was like that even when I was in college and stuff. So um, mm-hmm. they're kind of used to it. And um, whenever we call, it would just be like hours of talk, and then um, mm-hmm. basically like what they've been up to. Uh, specifically, my mom. Uh, my dad is like working most of the time when I call. Mm-hmm. Um, then like I'll talk about food and I've been asking a lot about just like the history of my family and just learning a little bit more mm-hmm. um because mm. I've learned things when I was little but you have a different perspective when you're older and you might have might not have um taken into account some of the details mm. uh, and I think when I was little there are some words that I didn't understand in Chinese particularly mm. um, but now that I'm older um I can kind of like translate it back to English mm-hmm. um, in a better way. And so, um, yeah, we're still in contact. My mom's using her phone better. (laughs) (laughs) We learned how to FaceTime. And so it was funny. Um, That's wonderful. And uh, it seems like the relationship is continuing to improve because I know by the time the episode aired, you were back in touch, but you were still kind of just talking about, well, what'd you make? What did you eat? And now you're talking about history and really trying to, um, empathize and get into um, your parents' lives and the decisions that they've made and all of those things, which is amazing, Helen. Mm -hmm, Thank you. And I think um, the time that we had apart really helped them Mm -hmm. realize like some of the stuff um, in a better perspective, because Mm. when you're in it at that time, whatever struggle or challenge that you might have, you don't see it until something major happens. And I think me moving away and because I was really close to my mom and at that time um, it really helped her gain a better perspective of things. And now I feel like she's, I don't want to say less attached, but I feel like she trusts me a little bit more with my decision. So even with my move to Colorado, I was afraid (laughs) of like, she would be like too worried, but she was actually relieved uh, and like happy for me. And so, Mm. yeah, really grateful. That's wonderful, Helen. I have enjoyed this so much. I feel like this is the most packed 30 minutes of um, 
just perspective and insight. And I'm I'm really grateful to you. I can't, it's going to be hard for me to wait a month to share this. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I'm sure every episode of yours is like this. And I enjoy listening to all your stories a lot and just like connecting with people that might not be as, um, I don't want to say well known, but like just on like the Instagram mm-hmm. like platform, sometimes you don't know about other people yeah. um, that often. And I really appreciate that you do that. Mm, well, I appreciate your support, Helen. You've been really a gift to me from ever since I think right after the hack when we connected last year. Um, and so thank you. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about Pinterest sometimes in the next few weeks. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. To, oh, Helen, sorry. Yeah. Of course, tell everybody where to find you, all the places to find you and oh. your beautiful, beautiful, beautiful images and stories. And if they want Pinterest help, how they can find you. Yeah, so my primary social platform is Pinterest, um, not Pinterest, <laughs> Instagram, and I'm at a step full of you. And mm-hmm. um, the same with my blog is step for you, step full of you blog, um, dot com. And then you can always email me. Um, it's Helen at a step full of you blog.com. And um, I know Becky will provide um, the links or whatever below. But yes. If you need Pinterest help, I would say just like emailing rather than DM would be most effective. Um, but yeah. Good. Good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yes, I will provide all of those. They will be in the show notes, Helen. <laughs> Thanks to <laughs> your correction on that too. And um, okay, we'll talk soon. Thank you so okay. much, Helen. Bye. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Helen for taking the time out the week right before she moved to lend us her advice and perspective. In the show notes, which by the way, is just another way of saying that written content you see right there in your podcast player. Yeah, in those notes, I link to all the ways you can connect with Helen and with her original episode 57, Food in the Real Life Coming of Age Story of Helen O, which generated, like I mentioned before, a huge response among listeners. Next week, we will tune in for another third. 30 minutes with a guest that had a massive year. First, she's having a baby this fall. And also she starred in a commercial with Phyllis from The Office, or you might know her as Sadness in Inside Out. This guest also was exposed to tons of fun and exciting opportunities this last year. I can't wait to talk with her and share them with you. And make sure you subscribe right now to catch that episode. Talk soon and have a great week, my friends.